Hello and welcome back to Nomads, you and I. Today we are digging into a wonderful little book, Second John. Yes, a second and third John are the shortest documents of the New Testament, shorter even than the letters to Philemon and the Epistle of Jude. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, before we dig into this, it is the Get to Know the Nomads section of our podcast. So Mark has drawn a question out of our big stack of cards. I have no idea what it is. What do you got, Mark Dunnigan? What's your favorite year in school? I'd have to say 1979 is going to be my senior year of high school because... You're engaged. (laughs) I am because I met Mark right before entering my senior year of high school. So the four months that we dated before marrying were between, it was like September, October, November, and December. We were married on December 21st, so I just remember... Showing all the rest of the drill team, the Oleans, we were the Oleans, Oleo, oh. There you go. Yeah, we were the Oleans, and so um, I was the shortest member of the drill team, and so it was. It would be up to me if we did like, it was called a ripple. Mm-hmm. So it would start with the tall girl, and it'd go all the way back to me and Mark. It was, it was a heavy, this was the heaviest responsibility at Sprague High School, Salem, Oregon, I had to return the ripple. Yeah. So I had to do a double thing. I had to do that, and then I had to do the next move and got to send it on down the line. And it was good. You guys were good. <laughs> do you remember during our dating that sometimes you would come and hang out with me in the drill team? Well, I'm not sure about that. I remember, I think, a performance at a football game at Spray. Okay. Oh, and okay. And then I think there was an indoor performance, I remember, in the gym. Ah, uh-huh. I thought you were there the night that the whole drill team decided to just kind of perform. It was the 1979 version of a flash mob. And so we did formations and crossed the street in formations. I th- On South Commercial. South Commercial, like at the corner yeah. of, by Fred Meyer. and um, yeah. Maybe so. I thought it was a little bit further down oh. towards where that Dunkin' Donuts was at. Well, you do tend to have a better memory than I, but on this case, Mark, I think I'm remembering it correctly. Gotcha. Might have been All a right. couple of times. Well, if any other Oleans are listening from 1979, then you can set the record straight. So here comes your question, Mark Dunnigan. I'm digging in here. And the question is, if you could be any age for the rest of your life, what age would you choose and why? Wow, that's a hard one because you haven't done all the ages yet, Mm. right? Okay, well, how many ages have you done so far? (laughs) I've done 64 of them. Um, Definitely, you know, it's interesting on this one. A lot of people go back and, uh, if I was 18 again or whatever, no way, that's, no, adult, the adult world is a lot better than the kid world and a lot better than the teenage world. So the thing that makes that question hard is that at every age, you have something. You might have youth, etc., but you also don't have something. You might not have the wisdom and experience. Absolutely. You know what, you and not. for those out there, I think there's a number of people out there right now would say, well, I'd, I'd be young again. Okay, but would you be willing to give up your wisdom mm-hmm. and experience and everything you built to this point in life mm-hmm. for that? Mm-hmm. Yes. I tend to like the age at where I'm at now. Yeah, it is very satisfying. I love being old. Agreed. But yeah, sometimes on these questions, it's kind of like, okay, we got to define this question, right? Because sometimes it's like, okay, are we talking about I'm everything that I am at 18 and nothing more, you know, and nothing less? And so, yeah, I think that's probably the only way to maybe approach this question is the full package of being whatever age you were. So is there an age that you would select? 
I guess I'm going to say, I'm going to say 58. Can you guess why? Well, that's the year that we took off on the amazing quest, the Odyssey. (laughs) Yes, the Nomad Quest started on July 21st, 2020, almost three years ago. So just it was all fresh and new, you know, and that's kind of human nature is... When you're just branching off into something, you know, you're on your highest highs. I'm a pretty big fan of the high highs, Mark. Yes, you are. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to dig into a conversation about the book of 2 John? Yes, I am. All right. You're going to do a flyover read for us? Let's do a flyover read. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he is both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face, so that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. All right, so the elder... What's interesting as you look at this book, there are some very similar themes that run through the three epistles that John writes that are at the end of the New Testament. There's an emphasis on obeying the truth, loving your brethren, but also the danger of false teaching and deceivers. Both of these letters, 2 John and 3 John, deal with the question of hospitality, the traveling Christians. 2 John deals with the danger of supporting false teachers, 9 through 11. 3 John deals with the danger of not helping faithful brethren, 3 John 9 through 11. So it's kind of interesting that they have a, a similar ending that gets reversed a little bit. But you had noted, he says, the elder. That either means that he's an elder in a local congregation, or it's John the Aged. And it might be both. So this would be John who writes the Gospel of John. Oh, so this is the apostle whom Jesus loved? Yes, it's that John. So it's interesting, I remember that right before Jesus ascended, there was that conversation that uh, Jesus had with Peter, I think with an earshot of John, and and Peter's like, well, what about him? You know, after Jesus kind of predicts the kind of death that Peter's going to die, and then Jesus is like, well, what's that to you? And so there was that rumor that went around that John would just never die or live an extremely long life or Or something. Yeah, or that he would be here until Jesus came. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And so it does appear, though, that John does, at least from tradition, if we can trust it, he does outlive all the other apostles. Mm -hmm. Uh, The chosen lady or elect lady, the third letters to a specific person, Gaius, the word elect lady, I guess it could be a person, but I think many people think it's probably, it refers to a local church because the church is composed of the elect. Okay. And the church is often referred to as a woman. Right. Like Israel was referred to as a woman. At the end of this letter, it says, the children of your chosen sister greet you. And it seems like that mm. they're being greeted by another congregation. Hmm. It's very interesting, like a personification almost of, of a congregation as a whole. But regardless of the message's initial audience, every word of God, of course, is meant to be hid in every human heart that we might not sin against him, Psalms 119.11. So... It's neither here nor there, I guess you could say. And Mark, this is written later on, right? AD 85 to 95, something like that? Um, Yeah, I think most writers probably put it later. Okay. So I thought that John was, is this going to be written also from the island of Patmos? Like where Revelation was written? Don't know. Don't know on that. Okay. So we don't know if he's been exiled or whatever. Correct. Okay. It's also interesting to me, Mark, that at the beginning you were talking about like, oh, here's some similarities of the different epistles that John wrote. It's interesting to me that every word that a inspired writer was given was from God. Isn't it fascinating how, despite that, that you can also get the flavor of their style of writing through their own personhood somehow? So it's, that's just a fascinating combination to me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit certainly has the ability to do that, to take the, um, the style of the particular writer and the words that God wants and blend them together. And every word still be the word that God wants, mm-hmm. but with a little bit of style of the writer in there. The question is, is it written to a single Christian household, a woman with all their faithful children, or is it written to a local congregation and mm-hmm. the members? At the end of the day, it's still written to Christians. Those okay. would be the same people. Whom I love in truth, may all God's children so freely express their agape love for one another. Sometimes we don't write that we love someone or that we don't express it verbally. This is an approved example that that is something that should be done. Uh, it would be a sincere love. And there is such a thing as a sincere love. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, and 35. Okay. And so that is possible, that genuine, sincere love, an individual, an imperfect individual can manifest that. And it's not just John. John's just not saying, you know, I'm the only one who's ever been able to do this. But he says, not only I, but also all who know the truth. That is, there's a lot of other Christians out there that have that same sincere love. Isn't it wonderful that you can know the truth? Some people are like, oh, you will never, you know, you might just barely skirt the hymn. But no, this says uh, some know the truth. Also, all those who know the truth. And I guess you could conclude from that, that all who know the truth love one another. People who know the truth love one another, that those two things go together. Yeah. Um, You noted, great observation, that is that we do run into people that are skeptical, critics, they're kind of jaded, and so they're going to say, well, there's no way you can really know the truth, and I always find they typically have an axe to grind. That is, I find that the reason they've latched onto such an excuse is 
for some sort of personal advantage. Mm -hmm. And that if I can keep things gray and confusing, then I don't have to face up to... I'm not accountable. I'm not accountable, and I don't have to change things in my life that I need to change. Mm -hmm. So, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us. Yeah, truth abides in us because we choose to believe it. We choose to embrace it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit, Mark, of John fifteen four, that says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So also neither can you unless you abide in me. Yeah, God wants the truth not to be something purely academic, but he wants the truth to make a difference in your life to where it says, you know, Basically, the truth is living in you. That is, it. you're taking it so seriously that it's altering your life. Then he says, and will be with you forever. I love that. Mm. The truth is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. The word of God endures forever. First Peter 1, 23-25, it's incorruptible seed. Our culture needs to hear that. God's truth is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. The only exception to that that you would agree with is Proverbs twenty three twenty three, where it says, buy the truth and do not sell it. So unless we choose to sell it, that's yeah. when it's going away. And wow, the ripple effects of that destroy your life. That is correct. Yeah. Individuals can forsake it and sell it. Uh, but at the end of the day, the truth is still there and we will still be judged by it. That's mm-hmm. still reality. Mm-hmm. The next word is grace. And I was thinking how grace offers an opportunity to start over and obey God, but it's not something to be abused or taken for granted. Uh, I'm thinking of Hebrews 10, 26 that says, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, unquote. So a lot of people abuse grace, but they've actually fallen from grace when they're in that position and doing that. What I noted here is that the grace, mercy, and peace come from both God the Father and from Jesus. That mm-hmm. is, they are mm-hmm. both God, they're both divine, mm-hmm. the Son of the Father. But then it says in truth and love. And it's interesting to me that truth and love often go together in Scripture. It's almost like faith and effort or faith and works yeah. go together in Scripture or faith and obedience go together in Scripture or faith and baptism go together in Scripture. And so I like what someone noted. Without truth, love can grow soft. Mm. But without love, truth can grow hard. Mm, I love that. Very, very useful. When I read the phrase, mercy and peace will be with us, I know this firsthand experience, Mark. This peace is a peace so deep, it is beyond comprehension, Philippians 4, 6. And it exists only because we have taken to heart the reality that our all-powerful God is merciful and his loving kindness endures forever, Psalms 136, 1. Yeah, it's a peace rooted in a relationship with God that you can't get anywhere else. There's no synthetic version of this piece or mm-hmm. knockoff version of this piece. Yes, nothing that lasts this long or goes this deep. So the next paragraph starts, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth. What do you think? Well, nothing brought John more joy than to find faithful Christians. Uh, people that he loved, still faithful. Some. Mm. There's also some here that are not being faithful, and we'll have a warning about them later in the chapter. And walking in the truth, not just believing it, but mm. obeying it, living living it, 
All right. He then says, just as we received commandment to do from the Father, is that God had given specific instructions, like in the Gospels, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, mm-hmm. John 14, 15. So rejecting the truth is not just some unfortunate mistake. It's actually rebellion against the will of God. Mm-hmm. So there is no greater joy than to know the souls that we love best on earth are at peace with their creator, and they are living out his instructions. Third John. And k- kids need to realize that, especially children of Christians. I think there are sometimes children of Christians that fall away and say, but mom, dad, look at the grades I got in school, or look at this trophy I got in football, or look at this college I got into, or look at how much money I'm making now. And John would say, none of that matters. You're not walking in the truth. Mm-hmm. So it says, just as we have received commandment to do from our Father. To walk in the truth. God is such a just God, and the expectation of the Father for all of us is equal when it comes to loving one another and living according to his commandments as revealed through the New Testament. You know, he's very, there's no favoritism. Everyone is treated with the same justice. Goes on to say then, Mark, now I ask you, lady, not as though I were, were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. So this is not anything new. He's not springing new teaching on them. And also this had been the message from the very start of Jesus's ministry Mm -hmm. and from the start of the church as well. And that is that we walk in truth and that we love one another, That, that those two things go hand in hand. In fact, the two great commandments could sum that up because the first one is to love God with all your heart, etc. The second one, love your neighbor as mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's love to God, respect for God, obedience to God, but then love for others. Okay, yes. And First Peter one twenty two adds that we are to love one another with a pure heart. So it's has 0% lust in it and fervently. Yeah. And so two of the evidences that you are a genuine Christian is your obedience to the truth and your love for God's mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. And this is love. Probably he does that because the world always wants to take the word love and then redefine it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to answer the question, well, what does this love look like? False teachers have used this teaching to delude people into thinking it to be anything from fornication to giving all you have to the false teacher. So the Holy Spirit-inspired apostle here, however, defines love in this way. Next phrase. Yeah. Love is we walk according to his commandments. Mm -hmm. And so walking includes thinking and living, right? Yes. And so love is not just some emotion. And as you noted, love is not lust. Right. And so according to his commandments, what a reminder. How can we know what his instructions are unless we are daily reading it? You have to have your nose in the word. By the time you've fulfilled all your other responsibilities, this is the ultimate form of recreation, recreation. (laughs) The word of God is what spoke life into being on the planet. If you're looking to recreate, to recreate yourself, what if you primarily did so on the word of God on a daily basis? Nothing like it. Yep. And then he says, this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. I like he emphasizes the beginning. If this is written later, and if when John says, I'm the elder, that means the aged, then mm, probably 60 years have gone by since Jesus left the earth. I mean, that's a good deal of time. Mm-hmm. 
But I think what's continually emphasized here, and probably because we're up against false teachers, is that time changes nothing. Time doesn't change truth, and time doesn't change scripture. Time doesn't change the church. It doesn't change the Christian life. John, what are we supposed to be doing now? Well, good question. We're supposed to be doing what we were told to do from the beginning. Yes. We're supposed to follow God, obey God, keep his commands, love your brother. There you go. So yeah, this is the commandment just as you heard from the beginning. Mark, we must be really careful, I think, not to let the familiarity of what we've known a long time cause us to value truths any less. Because that's a little bit of on our human nature. Remember when you asked me the question at the beginning, you know, what year would you choose? And I was like, I think my 58th year because it was the nomad quest was so fresh, you know, you know, we get used to everything. And there's some things in life that we need to not allow ourselves to be like, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I heard that truth a long time. Been there, done that. Tell me something new. You know what I mean? You have to still treasure it no matter how long you've loved it. Yeah, and that's what false teachers often deal with the novel. Mm. And the book mm-hmm. of Acts, chapter 17, when Paul was in Athens, Holy Spirit says the Athenians there spend all their time in listening and hearing some new thing or listening and telling some new thing. And the th- thought here is that no, Scripture still the same. Not only that, but this is a very objective test for who's faithful. Are you obeying the teachings of the Father? Are you loving your brother as you should? All right. Well, this looks like a great place to wrap up this podcast. Mark, where are we headed when we pick up the second half of Second John? He's talked to the faithful, the yeah. some, the some that are walking in the truth. Okay. But then he says, hey, many deceivers are gone out to the world. Okay. So we're going to turn from the wheat to the tares. Oh, gotcha. And we're going to turn from those that are walking in the truth to those who are not, those who are following the doctrine of Christ, those who not. And so um, now there's a shift here. All right, well, let's pick up where we left off. And thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for this Scripture Height through the first half of Second John. God bless.